Chapter sixty seven of Women in History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in June two thousand and twelve. Women in History by Anonymous. Chapter sixty seven Maria Theresa. Born seventeen seventeen. Died seventeen eighty. Carlyle. Maria Theresa, in high spirits about her English subsidy and the bright aspects, left Vienna for Pressburg and is celebrating her coronation there as Queen of Hungary in a very sublime manner. Sunday, 25th of June, 1741. That is the day of putting on your crown, iron crown of St. Stephen, as readers know. The chivalry of Hungary, from Palfi and Esterhazy downward, and all the world, are there, shining in loyalty and barbaric gold and pearl. A truly beautiful young woman, beautiful to soul and eye, devout too, and noble, though ill-formed in political or other science, is in the middle of it, and makes the scene still more noticeable to us see at the finish of the ceremonies she has mounted a high swift horse sword girt to her side a great rider always this young queen and gallops hungary following like a comet's tail to the Königsberg, to the top of the Königsberg, there draws sword and cuts grandly flourishing to the four quarters of the heavens let any mortal from whatever quarter coming meddle with hungary if he dare Chivalrous Hungary bursts into passionate acclaim, old Palfi, I could fancy, into tears, and all the world murmurs to itself, with moist, gleaming eyes, Rex Nostra. As for this brave young queen of Hungary, my admiration goes with all the world, not in the language of flattery, but of evident fact. The royal qualities abound in that high young lady, had they left the world and grown to mere costume elsewhere, you might find certain of them again here. Most brave, high, and pious-minded, beautiful too, as I have said, and radiant with good nature, though of temper that will easily catch fire. There is perhaps no nobler woman there living, and she fronts the roaring elements in a truly grand feminine manner, as if heaven itself and the voice of duty called her the inheritances which my father left me we will not part with these death if it so must be but not dishonour listen not to that thief in the night maria theresa has not studied at all the history of the silesian duchies she knows only that her father and grandfather peaceably held them it was not she that sent out Seckendorf to ride two thousand five hundred miles or broke the heart of frederick william and his household pity she had not complied with frederick and saved such rivers of bitterness to herself and mankind her husband the grand duke an inert but good-tempered and well-conditioned duke after his sort goes with her him we shall see trying various things and at length take to banking and merchandise and even meal-dealing on the great scale our armies had most part of their meal circuitously from him, says Frederick of times long subsequent. 
Now, as always, he follows loyally his wife's lead, never she his. Wife being intrinsically, as well as extrinsically, the better man, what other can he do? At one time she seriously thought of taking the command of her armies, says a good witness. Her husband has been with the armies once, twice, but never to much purpose, and this is about the last time, or last but one, in this winter, 1742. She loves her husband thoroughly all along, but gives him no share in business, finding he understands nothing except banking. It is certain she chiefly was the reformer of her army, in years coming. She athwart many impediments. An ardent rider, often on horseback at paces furiously swift, her beautiful face tanned by the weather. Honest to the bone, athwart all her prejudices. Since our own Elizabeth, no woman, and hardly one man, is worth being named beside her as a sovereign ruler. She is a living contradiction of the Salic law, say her admirers. End of chapter 67